Welcome to another Sustainable Wine Blog podcast with me, Toby Webb. And joining me in this podcast is Daniel Rabier, who is director here at Chateau or Domaine Tompier in Bandol. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you for the um, incredible uh, historical and grape and blend-based tour you've just given us here in your barrel cellar in, in Tompier, where we've been tasting the different parcels, the different blends, and the different years of your wines. Just very briefly, for those listeners who aren't familiar with Tompier, why don't you just give us a brief overview of the, of the wines you produce and, and where we are? Okay, so we are on the, on the French Riviera, on the coast, in between Marseille and Nice, closer to Marseille. We are so in a very, very cool region with lots of sun, very, very good with Mourvet, for Mourvet. So that's why we have our basic grape is Mourvet, but never alone. Our tradition here is to have blended wines. We are part of the Appellation Mandol. Mandol is spread over eight communes. We are approximately uh, 60 producers on, the, on, the, on this uh, region making bundle wines, mostly, uh, unfortunately, the balance is more rosé versus red wines, knowing that the, the white is a very, very small amount of the production. And, um, but here at Tampier, we produce more reds than rosé wines. We are more focused on red wines that are uh, based on Morel again, with always other grapes side to the Morel. And these wines are aged for 20 months in big old vats before bottling. They are showing generally a great ability of aging. I think Morvet is a very, very keen grape for that because it has a structure, but it has also a tendency to be more um, elegant when aging. Well, you certainly managed to capture some incredible elegance in your wines that I haven't seen in others. Is that a combination of the, of the terroir and winemaking, or is it more geography than that? Uh, it's... Geography, I don't, I don't think so, because we are close. Part of our wines are involved uh, to some of our uh, friends and neighbors that are producing some other wines. So it's uh, some of the terroir, of course, are different. When you speak about La Mingua, when you speak about La Tortine and Cabassar, these are single vineyards that are very, very specific. So you could imagine that they have their own uh, conditions that are making what they are. Uh, so it means that winemaking doesn't have that much importance. And anyway, there's no way to translate winemaking in French and that's good because <laughs> winemaking you know for us it doesn't mean anything 95% of the job is done into the vines mm-hmm. if you want to have good wines you need to have good vines and I guess that uh, you were speaking about the, the balance and the elegance we do have in the wines it's due to 60-70 years of the same kind of job into the vines being very very um, grateful to the terroir by respecting it and respecting it for us means at least being organic we finally moved to biodynamia three years ago, totally three years ago. I was already using herbal teas and making different stuff, but we couldn't say, it won't have been fair to say that we were working biodynamically before that, because we weren't doing the old stuff. So you've always been organic since, yeah. since you started. Oh, and, and listeners, you should, you should look up the history of Tom Pierre, uh, Monsieur, uh, let me get this right, Monsieur Perrault, Pe- um, who, who founded it, effectively created the Bandol, helped create the Bandol Appellation. <laughs> Uh, well, according the property, to the, the, the to property the... is coming from Madame Perrault's side. Mm-hmm. She, Lulu Perrault, she was mm-hmm. born Tampier, mm-hmm. and the property is coming from her side. Both of them joined the property where wines have been produced in the past. Lulu's grand grand aunt has built the cellar in 1880, and both of them, for the wedding, after the wedding, they joined the property in the late 30s, beginning of the 40s, and that was also at the same time the beginning of the Appellation Mandol. Monsieur Perrault, Lucien Perrault, is considered like the father of the Appellation because he stayed president for 37 years and he was 
very, very focused on quality. And um, he was also focused on Moret, so that's why he, he put back the Moret as our first grape and the, our major grape, and he, he was right. So yes, that's due to these, the, the, the work of the two generations of the family, Lucien mm-hmm. and Lulu, and then their children, and especially the two brothers, François and Jean-Marie, that we are able now to have this. I mean, I don't, I'm just relying on what have been done in the past. So you've always been organic since the start, and I guess yeah. a lot of the producers here are organic. You're very fortunate in some ways with weather conditions and sunlight and yeah, so on. I, so I, I don't want to give lessons to anybody because, mm. to be honest, yeah, it's quite easy here in Bordeaux. As we were speaking earlier, the weather conditions are good. Mm. It's really sunny. We have a decent amount of rain to make good reserves of water for the growth of the vines. And also, we don't have that much accidents, climatical, uh, climatic uh, accidents. Mm that you could find in some other region, even not that much far from here. And so you don't get the, the old tornado that sometimes hits the language. Yeah, it happens, it happens sometimes, but not like they do have. It happens sometimes. We had some hail, very bad hail in 94 and 96 or 7, I can't remember, from some producers closer to the sea, on, really on the coast, because we are about straight. We are here, we are about one mile, one mile and a half from the sea, even less probably. Yeah. And um, generally speaking, we have less problems. We are, we are very lucky and we have a dry season during the summer, which means we don't have, uh, it's easier not to use herbicides, for example. Yeah. It's easier to work plowing the vines and, and doing that kind of job into the vines. So I don't want to give lessons to anybody. We are organic, okay. We have always have been organic. We, didn't, we never had any agreement for that. So in a way, you don't have to trust me, <laughs> but uh, that's what we have done. It's more also a question, you know, of uh, respecting the terroir again. And also it's my feeling about that is uh, I want to feel secure about myself and the guys working in the vineyards. So the less products we can use, the better it is. And uh, yeah. Suffer and Cooper are, are enough. We can manage with that. Sometimes it's a bit tricky because when here the conditions are good, but when they, when they are bad, it's going faster, far away faster than, than in Burgundy, for example, or, or in Bordeaux. And, uh, so when you have problems, it could be very big problems, but we have less difficulties. It's easy, easy compared to other regions. Okay, and how, have, how has three years worth of work with biodynamics changed the way you huh. approach the vineyard? Working organically, I know that we were not facing a step, but something a bit like this, you know? Like if you were, uh, thinking about the life in your soil and the, 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 your soils and you see well okay maybe we can do something better uh, so that's why we tried years ago to start with uh, herbal teas and different aspects but we weren't making the whole the whole biodynamic and we first started with part of the vineyards uh, sharing pieces in half and see what's going on one we did it and the other one was on the classical way we were making so organic and we see some little changes for the moment, I can't explain any change in, in the wine, but in the vines, it's obvious. The life of the soil, the soils are more uh, nearly elastic, you know, when mm-hmm. you're working into the soil, they're more, more like uh, supple and gentle soils. The life, they're more lively. So that's happened after just three years of biodynamic yeah, practices. Well, coming from organic, I've met a lot of people that could give you lessons about biodynamics. So we finally found out somebody that that had listened to what we have done before and he said us well listen you are not too far from what we could reach so don't expect too much but we have seen the effect 
to my thinking, we have seen the effect. We have seen the effect on the way the, the vines are growing, are growing during the season. We have seen the, the, the effect on the wood and on the shots of the soil, on the soils, obviously. Probably a more, uh, a larger scale of, um, of different plants in the vines. We also, for about nearly 10 years now, we had also uh, sheep, mm-hmm. sheep coming on the uh, grazing, grazing on the, on the vineyards. Yes. Um, During the winter. During the winter. Which is quite good. Winters are quite cool here, so it means that you have some grass growing up, and it's good for to have the, these, uh, these animals going everywhere into the vines. And how, how far do you take biodynamic principles? Because from what I understand, there, you know, there are different levels to which you can go, and well, some producers we, like to sort of t- use some bits, and some people like to dive all the way in and, and be very extreme. We, 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 we are... We are dining all the way along. So, I mean, we are using uh, Maria Thun 501 and 500 also. But um, at the beginning, I was a bit frightened about using 501, which is silicium, which is more the relationship with the higher ion part, the, the, the solar aspect mm-hmm. and, uh, and um, the, the, the light, in fact. I was a bit frightened because we don't miss any light here. It's a bit <laughs> the contrary for the moment. And so uh, I was a bit frightened, uh, and we needed to understand what could be the effect and what could it um, bring to you. So we did the whole stuff, but uh, I must admit that we are 40 hectares, and uh, 40 hectares is quite large. It's not very easy, even if uh, if it is the three of us uh, uh, doing that, you know. So I'm not very, very maybe consistent enough in being very, very precise about hours, for example. Mm. We try to do it the good days and the, the, the very, very focused on the calendar, but not on the hours. I can't, I can't spend, uh, you know, sometimes yes, it's said, well, you should die in between 2 and 4 in the morning. Yeah, mm. I can't do 40 hectares during 2 and no, 4 in the morning. You need so. to sleep at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and what about harvesting, you know, and the phases of the moon and how far do you take that? For the harvest, it's, it's too hard for us. For the moment, we haven't focused on that for harvesting. For the harvest, I'm just focused on, on, on the good ripeness and the proper ripeness. Not, not, um, I don't like at all uh, overripeness. So it needs to be ripe, but not, not overripe. So good maturity is very, very important. And for the moment, we're only focused on that. And again, speaking about 40 hectares, anyway, I can't. So it yeah. means that we have to make choices. Mm. To be honest, we make some choices. You have some preferences always, you know, you know, it's always the same. It's like, like, uh, like if you, are, you have some friends, you have some friends that you do appreciate a, bit, a little bit more than some others. And it's a bit the same with the vineyards. So maybe sometimes we say, okay, we should, well, this, this could be interesting to see that part in a good day. And, um, and we do it, we use it for, we use the calendar uh, also in the process we are using into the cellar. Thinking, it's more like we try to f- to follow the calendar in a certain way because if we are able to follow it, it won't hurt. Why not to do it? And generally, we do it. We do it properly for okay. bottling, mm-hmm. racking the wines. For the harvest, it's pretty hard. You know, you need to be careful of uh, this question of ripeness and also careful of the weather. So sometimes mm, you need to harvest. You need to yeah. harvest. Let me ask you also, just to finish off about climate change. You've mentioned that a couple of times in our conversations this afternoon. Well, there are, there are good reasons for that. The, the main one for, for me is that we are close to the sea. So I do believe that the, the sea has a great effect by lowering down the effect of, 
of global warming. But if you look back, I've been working in Mandel now for 30 years, and when I came, when I arrived in Mandel in the 80s, I've told that we, we never started harvesting before the 15th of September. Since I've been working at Tampier, so since 2000, we have started harvesting, I guess, let's say maximum of five times in September. All the rest, the, the, the 11 others, we started in August and sometimes before the 25th of August. So it means at least two weeks earlier. So it's obvious that we are harvesting earlier. It's global warming for me is obvious. It's, uh, you, can't, you can't say there's no global warming because it's too long. In the past, you know, uh, in, the, in the 18th century, the, and when you look back at the history, you see periods where they have two, three, four, five vintages that were very, very hot, and they start complaining about, what are we going to do? We can't make any wine now, it's too hot. Well, they were considering it too hot, and we, we would probably consider it as normal vintages now. Now we have a range of at least 15 vintages that are quite early. Even the one that we are speaking as later one, um, 2012, 2013, 2014. In fact, they are quite early. They are still very early. So it has, for me, it has changed a lot. So what could we do against that? I don't know. We can't move up north. Bon no, no. Here, so we have what can you do in the vineyard? I mean, because well, we, presumably at some point, and every winemaker says to me, oh, look, alcohol level is not such a big deal. It's all about the balance of the wine. But if you get up to 16 17%, it's not going to be that drinkable. Exactly. So you've mentioned that it's been going up. Over, the alcohol level has been going up I in the so, last as a, 10 as an average. Years. So, so what, can, what do you think you might be doing in five years' time to try and keep alcohol levels lower? That's one of the aspects I am expecting from biodynamic. I don't, ask, I don't wait that much, except the fact that the balance could be a bit different. We could probably hardly, uh, harvest with a good maturity earlier and probably with level of alcohols that could be a, a balanced compared to the, the global warming. Probably, probably. And then the other aspect it has is the fact that we have tried for a long time to blend and use lots of different type of rootstock to see if there is any possibility with the rootstock to delay the mm -hmm. maturity. Is there a worry, of course, that the grape will spend less time on the vine and therefore will be less interesting in the glass? Uh, generally speaking, what you look when you—it's obvious when you, I, I don't want to speak about other country because I don't know them very well, but. Um, when you look at the map of France, it's obvious that the two aspects, the more you go up north, the more you have single grapes, the more you go down, the more you have blended grapes. Mm -hmm. And we are lucky to have that because it's a good compensation, good combination. And the other aspect is that probably the best expression of a grape is nearly always at its northern limit, mm -hmm. which means that you need long maturity to have great wines. So the shorter they are, the maturity probably the less interesting the wines are going to be in the, in the future. So what, what could we do against that? I don't know exactly, I'd like to know, I'd like to be sure that we have to focus on the grades we have and try to, to, to change the way we're working to make sure that we could delay again the, the, the date of harvesting compared to the, the, the flowering. Or do we have to look at old grapes that we have forgotten because they weren't very interesting, not ripe, uh, very sensitive to disease, blah, 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 every problems you can imagine. Mm. And maybe these grapes are going to be appropriate now. And what about uh, yeast? I, I asked one of the Paran family from Beaucastel about rising alcohol levels in Chateauneuf-de-Pape, and he said, oh, well, we just use better, different yeasts. 
I guess that's not an option for you if you're organic biodynamic and you're only using natural yeast. Yeah, except for, I must be honest, uh, I told you that we were we don't have any agreement for the organic or biodynamic, being organic or biodynamic. We do use yeast for the rosé, but we never use any yeast for the reds and it works. I'm lucky. Mm. So maybe you <laughs> could in the future if you need to. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, um, you know, the, the maturity... You, Take the example of Grenache for us. Grenache here now, we are nearly close to the, its really sunny place, so the ripeness of Grenache is still a problem. It's a very, very problem because you, have, you reach a level of alcohol very, very quickly mm-hmm. without the phenolic maturity. So you need to, to, to wait for a, a good match in between both. Fortunately, Grenache is great that is able to support very easily over ripeness. I told you I didn't like her rightness, and I'm speaking about rubber rightness. I know it's, but it, it shows that it is very, very complex. If you wait for a good ripeness, I don't see any way that you could have yeast, natural yeast, that are not going to transform it in, in quite a high level of alcohol. Mm. So how could you balance that by having good acidities, lots of minerals, which is part of the reason biodynamic is made for. I mean, make, making your soil more lively, your plants more consistent, the exchange between the, the, the plant and the soil through... Uh, uh, bacteria and then whatever you want larger and of course adding more minerals into your wines more salinity mm-hmm. uh, and, and making your wines far far away more drinkable mm-hmm. and uh, despite the alcohol level but then you are you are right if when you have finished a bottle it's you still you still feel it but you have finished the bottle you still have finished the bottle i mean it makes the wines far away easier i don't see any way that yeast could be naturally could be producing less alcohol if alcohol is here i can't see them changing anything to that point so i don't know i don't know we will see if if the the, the population of yeast is changing too because of, uh, of the conditions maybe it's possible but maybe we are going to change the way we are going to drive the being uh, the, the, the vineyards you know maybe we are going to cut them a little bit more on, on green green parts okay mm-hmm. to make them shorter to let them uh, uh, late, make them have a later ripeness. Mm-hmm. There are lots of solutions that you could find by, uh, you know, making like a, like a, a small uh, bush plant full of leaves, mm-hmm. full of uh, shadow to protect like the canopy, grapes. Better sort canopy. of canopy, a small yeah. canopy. And that's why I'm very, very happy to have a gobelet in the vines. Gobelet is, oh, that's very good. We don't need wires. We need some wire sometimes for Grenache and Sanso when they are too young, but mm-hmm. most, most of the time I'd like not to have any wire. Okay. Just go with it. It's, it's natural. It sounds natural and, and obvious. Great. You've seen the vines outside, so. Yes, yeah, and beautiful they are too. Um, Daniel, conscious of time, so thank you uh, very much for your hospitality yeah, and, and your welcome. time on the podcast today. You're welcome. Thank you very much.